Thank you for joining me today on this special episode with Valkyries called Five Burning Fandom Questions. Usually, this is only accessible as a Patreon supporter, but because we spoke about other topics outside the norm, I wanted to share it with everyone. Also, as a second bonus, she shares some tips about getting a good night's sleep, something she knows a bit about as a sleep researcher. Quick disclaimer, this is only meant to be a guide and not a professional diagnosis. If you feel something made sense, please consult a sleep therapist in your area. Let's get this party started. Are you ready? <laughs> I guess so. All right, mm-hmm. so, so this is no, you're <laughs> <laughs> talking at the same time. <laughs> Zoom bingo. All right, you go. Okay, I'm going to start it in five, four, three. Okay, so this is called Five Burning Fandom Questions. The rules are really simple. You just have to, you can use any fandom character you want. It can be from all the same fandom, so like Supergirl, or they can be from multiple fandoms, so like Supergirl and, I don't know, some other fandom I don't know about. <laughs> you just have to try to answer the questions. That's it. All right. All right. Seems but I'll try it. <laughs> so the first question is, which ship would you like to go on a double date with, and what would you like to do? Um... I'll do, like, the OG, like, Shigo and Ken Possible. It seemed like they'd be fun to do some, like, paintballing with, I think. Was Shigo so mad? Yeah. She'd be like, I'm so <laughs> Shigo could be on my team. And my... No, I don't know who I would want on my team, actually, because Kim always, like, wins. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe just all of us on the same team against, like, some unsuspecting squad. I think maybe <laughs> that, would, that would be the play there. Yeah. That would be a good one. Okay. So name three villains you would like to kill, date, or turn in. Three of villains. Yeah. Or if you'd like to, you can also add who you'd like to fuck. But some people actually want to say that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, uh, what's that, um, Charlie's Throne, and, uh, what she play, like, the Evil Queen or whatever? Oh, from, like, the and Snow White, White movie? Yeah, it's definitely whatever the date fuck option is for her. So which and one And then the other like? two, like, <laughs> both. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you can only choose, I don't know, I would guess dating because that implies there's a sexual relationship i guess okay. <laughs> unless you're to celibate get more of it, unless no i don't want that that wasn't the option no <laughs> um i feel like the other two would just be like any male villain i really just want the joker to die because i'm tired of movies about him uh-huh <laughs> he is kind of hard to deal with sometimes he's a crazy He's a good I know. I mean, he's a fine character. I just feel like it gets out of hand. And then, like, every, I don't know, single, like, guy that, like, obsesses over him is, like, super creepy. And I'm like, just stop. Just stop making these movies, please. Probably him. I mean, like, if we're just talking, like, inverse, of course, kill him. He's, like, a horrible person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the other one? Turn in. Who would you like to turn in? Turn in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't think of any villains anymore. There's, I don't know. There's Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah, I guess we go with, like, 
the Supergirl stuff. I don't know if you saw the Black Panther movie, but Warmonger, he would be a villain. I like Warmonger. You liked him? Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to turn him in. Just let him do his thing and destroy Wakanda and the world because of their amazingness. (laughs) You know, he had his points. They they were both fighting for something. I get it. Well, I think... I, I, I think what he did to force, um, what was his name? T'Challa. T'Chaka. To force Black Panther to see that he can't keep living in the closet for Wakanda. I think that was a really good thing, but he, I was a little hesitant about his methods. Yeah, I think they were just common from like, Two very different backgrounds. And it just, I think just the juxtaposition of him using violence to do what he thought was right versus T'Challa, like, being nonviolent is kind of like the whole narrative that always gets thrown out in, like, the black community. But I think, like, in the end, they were both making, like, really good points. I would definitely turn in Lex from the Justice League movies just because, like, Jesse Eisenberg really annoys me. So I hate that Lex. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like the Lex and Supergirl. I think I don't know the actor's name, but he's really he's doing it. He's carrying the show. On like fire. he's putting in work. Yes, he is. I love that guy. He he's like I love his Lex. It's so good. Are you, have you been watching the new season? Or have you no, watched it's the like first the, show? Episode, I haven't watched that episode. No, I just asked Anna what happened, and she told me. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it either. I'm not going to watch it at the end, but there's a bunch of gifts on Tumblr that basically goes like, wait, what happened? She punched her brother, and huh? now they're going to what? And Kara's dead? I'm so confused. But what I haven't seen any gifs. I guess I don't really use Tumblr. I haven't actually, I've seen zero gifs of it, but I know the gist of what happened in the episode. I usually watch at like the mid-season and then I'll watch at the finale. Let's just mm-hmm. catch up for both. Or I'll yeah. just watch when Netflix puts it on like four years later. Faster, <laughs> <laughs> at least. I Are mean, they? Hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah, because season five came out pretty fast during the pandemic. Oh, it did. It did. Yeah. Season four, it took like hell. Is, is... Yeah. And like, well, I like watching on Netflix. Because the way I watch Supergirl is literally just fast-forwarding, like, through every useless part of the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I don't like, like, watching it. I'm, like, uh, streaming it illegally. Because every time you click the fucking player, it, like, brings a new pop-up ad. So you can't really skip too much. And then the other one just, like, downloading or torrenting it, and that just takes too much energy. So I try to, like, wait until it's on, like, Netflix or something. Yeah, that makes sense. I wouldn't want to do that either. I'm like, you know, I can wait till the season's over. I can binge watch. I can binge watch it and go, "What the fuck are they doing?" Next <laughs> exactly. There's no. And you're like that. distance from like the initial reaction, so you can have your mm-hmm. own reaction to it. Exactly. Like There's a... excess trauma. Yeah. Benefit of being an AU writer, I don't need to know what's happening in canon. Exactly. Way. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
that's one of the reasons why I like I like AUs because you don't have to be true to character if you do a kind of compliant one you kind of do. But you know you can be true to character in an AU, but you don't have to. So. Yeah, I like to know like big like character growth, mm-hmm. just so like. If it's, like, a new aspect of their personality, that's cool to include in an AU. Mm-hmm. So, like, to keep that pretty close. But, like, other than that, I don't really. And, like, Supergirl does grow character growth. So, like, it's I've never had to worry about it. But <laughs> 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 it's never been at the top of my mind. But, yeah, like, other than that, like, the show elements, I just watch at the end because it doesn't really matter for the stories. I have to say, this new epi- this new season, or at least the first episode, made it seem like Lena got it. If the gifts I saw on Tumblr were like, because she was talking to Brainy, and she was just like, you know, it's hard, you got to do it, and we're just lucky we have friends who are forgiving us, you know, because they both kind of did some bad things, right, in season five. And so I'm like, wow, that was the most... Uh, accountable <laughs> speech I've ever read. That's actually what they said. Because you know, sometimes they manipulate the photo with different dialogue, and I'm like, what? The? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's about time for Lena because like mm-hmm. she couldn't even be like mean. Her comebacks were like kindergarten comebacks. <laughs> I remember she was trying to be mean to Alex, and she was just like, "You can't be my friend," and I was like. Who cares? <laughs> I don't know. It just felt like she was trying to, like, come off as, like, really harsh and mean, but, like, everything she said just wasn't it. And I was like, I don't know what you're going for, Lena, but, like, no one's buying it. It was just a very, it was just a, like, wait. Yeah, I had, like, a really much. big moment of, like, I wanted to rewrite mm-hmm. IB, and then I was like, is it worth it? <laughs> not really. <laughs> it's not. Well, well, I want to write a, a story where you know that ending part where Lena finds out that Supergirl is Supergirl. I don't remember which one. I think it was four, the last episode of, of season four. I just want them to have a ball out angry fight where Kara comes in and instead of waiting. To tell Lena, she just goes and she tells her and not listens to Alex. I'm like, I'm going to write that. And I want it so angst-filled, angry, and cathartic. I don't even know what to do with myself. So. I wrote one of those. I got that out of my system. Yeah. But then my 5B, right, just felt. I was, I wanted to rewrite it from the point of, like, Lena not being an ass when Kara, like, immediately told her after the world ended. Uh-huh. Like, oh, we thought you were going to come in here and come clean to me and I forgive you. And I was like, you know, like, she, like, really didn't consider that enough because Clara, like, wholeheartedly thought she didn't remember. And her first instinct was to not hurt her again. But Lena was just, like, an asshole. So I was like... <laughs> wow. She, she could have been an asshole there. So I was going to write it from that point of being like, Kara actually did an action to kind of change what she'd done before because she realized how much it hurt Lena. Yeah. I'm going to just So I was like, "Uh." You know, you can't have good dumpster fires without really bad writing. I know. It felt so, I don't know. 
it felt so weird to me mm-hmm. because, like, I don't know, when you think about drawn-out drama, mm-hmm. there's usually one side that's, like, not understanding the scope of what they did. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the person who's hurt continues to be hurt because it's, like, very clear that the other side, like, doesn't get what happened. And I understand how that becomes prolonged until, like, the other. Like, sometimes you just don't get it until you do. Mm -hmm. But it felt like Kara got it pretty fast. And she was, like, apologizing directly for what she did pretty Mm -hmm. fast. And Lena was just like, no. And then, like, Lena, like, comes in the last episode and says the exact same thing Kara's been saying for, like, 26 episodes. <laughs> it's just like, what was, the, what was the whole purpose of this? Well, you know, she's angry. She's hurt. I mean, well, if you think about it, I think we talked minimally about um, how Lena reacted with James and his whole talking about shooting the sh- uh, his father and what it's like being him and how she just kind mm-hmm. of brushed it off. I mean, the truth is, is that's the mindset she usually could have had as well with Kara because her feelings were so hurt. And apparently this platonic friendship means so much more to her than just a platonic friendship. And oh, no, I get that. No, I get her being, like, angry at her. I'm not saying she should, like, brush it off. And she found out from, like, like going mm-hmm. into, like, Kara's, like, speech before Kara admitted to her, Lena was, like, about to ruin her life. Like, mm-hmm. that was her plan. She was literally about to ruin Kara's life mm-hmm. when, like, Kara's secret, although, like, it hurts not that she didn't trust her, mm-hmm. Kara's secret, like, wasn't an attempt to ruin Lena's life. It was Kara's, like, really bad attempt at protecting her. Mm-hmm. And that's always been obvious. Like, Kara and Supergirl both, like, risked their life for Lena. Like, Lena has, like, zero evidence of Kara wanting her to die or zero evidence of Supergirl wanting her to die or wanting her to, like, be hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, in both iterations, Kara and Supergirl have mm-hmm. just 100% like been there for Lena when she needed it. I mean, there was like a couple like bumps in the road or like the kryptonite and whatever. But when it comes down to it, she always protects her. And then Lena found out and her first instinct was literally to ruin Kara's life. And I was like, that's like, I understand being hurt, but like Kara's never come at you from like a place of malice. And like, mm-hmm. that was your immediate go to. Mm-hmm. And then Kara, like, immediately apologized and, like, from a very understanding point, understood if Lena was hurt and understood her actions were wrong and even talked about changing him and why she realized, like, she shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And Lena was literally coming from, like, a place of, like, pure, like, hate. Mm-hmm. And, like, she was trying to hurt. And, like, it just didn't make sense to me. Like, I understand her being upset. Mm-hmm. But, like, to just hold that much, like, wanting to hurt Kara when, like, even though Kara lied to her, she never came from a place of wanting to hurt Lena. And that was so obvious. And it's, like, I don't understand how Lena made that leap. I don't know. She's a Luther. Maybe it's the like, oils of a Luther. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the weird part for me. Like, I, and, like, I 100% get her being upset about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, that can be separated from, like, like, Kara didn't trust her, but, like, Kara didn't want to hurt her. And Lena just went straight to, like, mm-hmm. I'm about to out you to the whole world. Like, and, like, why? Like, that was, that's, that is literally just coming from a place of pure, I want to hurt you. But and also, that was never Kara's intention. But also think of Poochie actually tries to, um, clatch onto afterwards. 
suddenly she believes Lex. And for the entire seasons prior, she didn't believe Lex. And so suddenly Lex is becoming an ally because he's telling her the things she wants to hear. And he's helping her with this non-no-cherry thing where her intentions behind that are questionable, but they're still good. Like, let's take away all this pain. Let's take away this um the negative emotions that, you know, hurt people. But that's just poor coping skills on her part, really, you know, like all those criminals, kind of like all their poor coping skills because they weren't taught proper coping skills, some of them, others, I don't know, and I'm really making a guess here. But, you know, if you don't, you aren't taught a different way to deal with things, like Lex gets back at people who hurt him, you know, it doesn't matter how big or small they hurt him, he tries to destroy them because he can. So he doesn't activate himself at a level that is equal to what other people have done. It always is just full 10 or full 20 because he can, because he's that powerful and he's going to show that. And it's kind of like what Lena did, in my opinion, because she doesn't want to feel hurt. She doesn't want to feel a lack of trust, but everyone does it. You know, it's just she feels it more readily because Lex also did it to her and he manipulated her a lot. He detests on her from what I remember of this story. So she has a very skewed sense of trust issues because of the way her brother treated her. That's the person she gravitated to when she was at her lowest. It wasn't her friends. She gravitated to the, the devil she knew. At least that's what No, I no, I like, yeah, I get that. It's just, uh, it doesn't add up in terms of what they're writing, like, who she is and, like, her reaction. Like, that was my whole qualm of it. Mm -hmm. Even, like, kind of lashing out and all of that. No, that all makes sense. But, yeah, like, even her – and, like, the way that she handled Andrea, that made sense. Like, they just – like, she just cut her off Mm -hmm. after – and that was, like, hurting her a lot because that was, like, the whole thing with her mom. And Lena was really, Mm -hmm. you know – like, that – even that made sense. And it just felt so weird that they painted her as being just that naive. Like, there's, like, being hurt and running to the devil, you know, and there's just being dumb. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. They, like, paint her as being, like, the smartest person in the world. And, like, she just literally is the dumbest person on the show. And it's, like, I don't know. It, it felt like it didn't add up for me. I feel like her character could be so much better and so much more nuanced. Mm-hmm. And they just keep giving her this, like, one-note reaction to everything. I mean, for all we know, it could have been sabotaged to try to make it so that Supercorp could never be. Uh, it, it could be as simple as just trying to prove how foolish it is. Because, like, how can you come back from that? And I don't know. At one point, she thinks Kara and Supergirl are two different people. And then she finds out they're the same person. And then maybe what she's looking at it by, I honestly don't know, is that Kara had to lie to her in order to keep people from hurting everyone else. And so if no one has this inclination to hurt other people, that would prove that she didn't need to do that. I don't know. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, so no, no, that's fine. I just try to like look at the show for what it gives you. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, everyone talks about how dumb Kara's reasoning was, but there's that one episode where like Mixie comes back Mm-hmm. And Kara just talks about how she wakes up in the morning having panic attacks because she thinks like her life will hurt her friends. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 
Honestly, like, if I was thinking about myself and, like, someone was hiding something from me and they told me, like, that was the reason, and, like, it's this person that, like, I have so many positive feelings for, mm-hmm. like, what she was saying made sense. It's understandable. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's at the point where you're waking up having panic attacks because you legitimately believe your identity is going to get your friends killed, like, that should be if you tell someone, this is why I kept it from you. Like, even if it's, like, misguided or wrong or, like, even if, like, you should have told them, it's, like, you legitimately thought you were doing the right thing. And that's, like, something that Kara, I felt they, the thing is, I felt they wrote that really well in her conveying that. Mm-hmm. And then that's why it felt like Lena's reaction was weird because they actually wrote Kara explaining that really well. I get, I get that. I think the problem is, is that out of all her super friends, the only person who doesn't know what's going on are Kelly and Lena. I mean, because they're the only two people who didn't figure it out. <laughs> like everyone else is just like, oh yeah, you're super girl. No, that's true. But I mean, if you look at it from the whole, you're, she's, they're both surrounded and Kelly, I think it doesn't care as much maybe, or she will, who knows. But Kelly's brother is also a super, is also a hero. Lex is a villain. Mm-hmm. You know, so she has this weird gray area because she also, wasn't she, isn't she also like from the military and she was in Afghanistan and she has all this hard stuff. So she has a little bit more compassion about certain things. Yeah, but I mean, like, even if you think about it, like, Cara told, like, in the very, very beginning, she told when just because she was, like, so excited. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people she's surrounded by, they just knew. And, like, she, like, wasn't forthcoming about it. Like, most people came, like, when she talked to James, like, he knew. And, like, even, like, Maggie, like, she knew. And a lot of people come into her life, they just sort of already know. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things, like, she was worried about, like, when she first talked to Lena was that she wasn't trying to tell everyone. Like, most people who knew at that point were people who had already known without her telling them. Mm-hmm. And so she built this relationship with Lena without telling her. And it got to that point where she was, like, afraid. Well, it's because I feel like she felt like her identity would hurt Lena, but also because she felt like she'd gone so far with Lena without telling her mm-hmm. that she knew it would hurt Lena in that way as well, which both she brought up, and then mm-hmm. both she also apologized for. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's why I'm not saying Lena shouldn't have been hurt about it, but I felt like they did that really well with Kara actually getting down to the explanation for what happened and why she did it. I don't know. I just, it, like, felt like a whole sort of left turn and really drawn out thing. And, like, Lena just started making a lot of really dumb decisions. I feel like the, and I feel like they even could have sold that, but then in the final episode, she just comes back and she's like, oh yeah, my bad. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just felt like they did it just for, like, to draw it out. And then when she, like, finally, like, it occurs to her that it's a bad idea, she just comes back and she's like, oh yeah, like, I realize your apology wasn't that bad. Like, I've been doing some dumb stuff. Like, totally my fault. Well, like, what? <laughs> no, it could also just be that they used her for a prop for a purpose and not actually, even though she's had these extreme emotions, these extreme emotions are merely a, a device to make some sort of sense for why this woman is doing something that is adverse to her natural character. I mean, uh, I... She, it should have been written better. I like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately. Like, I, feel like, so, I mean, 
the whole thing is that you can make it make sense if mm-hmm. you add in all these nuanced emotions that they didn't show or mm-hmm. add in all these like past experiences that they didn't tell us about mm-hmm. or add in all these thought processes that they didn't allude to. Like, I mean, we're writers. We can make it make sense and we do all the time. Mm-hmm. But based on what they gave us is my thing. That's why I said just taking the show for what it is. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't give us anything. <laughs> And so no, it's just, like, a lot really. of different actions happening. And, like, we're online and we're, like, postulating for, like, what's behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's just because we know how to do that. It's not because the show gave it to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just felt like it's really crappy writing. And it just well, made me angry. Well, just think about it. If it was a good show, you might be less likely to write about it. Like, I would have no desire to write Supercorp if, you know, it was done better. But it's not. And so, you well, know. If it was a well written show with like two women that mm-hmm. have a lot of chemistry and they weren't together, like it was, if it was just written better, I was still be motivated to write about it. But what would you write? Like, be less, I mean, I'd be less motivated to write about it if they were actually dating. Cause then like you're like getting what you want. Uh-huh. But it was like, if it was good writing and it was still kind of like a show with just like two oblivious women, like they are, but like, the outside plot, outside of, like, the super core interactions was written better. I was still be motivated to write about it because it's still, like, two women you feel should be together. But they're not, and so you can, like, make them together and fanfic. Maybe. I don't think I would, though. I think that I write it because they are just so poorly used on the show that it, I'm like, oh, this is great. I could use them here. I can use them there. I can use them this way. I can use them that way. You know, like, there's... There's Klexa, they're great. They're a good dumpster fire too. There's, who else is there? But like, there's Korosami. I like Korosami, but I have no desire to write stories for Korosami. I, I mean, wrote for Korosami, and I really like them. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, good writing doesn't mean, mm-hmm. I think good writing means like, you got a really good product to watch and something mm-hmm. to enjoy. But still, the show is not going to explore things that you want to explore. Like, mm-hmm. it's a kid's show. It's not going to explore a sexual relationship, you know? Like, if you wanted to do that, you could. Or explore mm-hmm. things outside of what they talk about in the show. There's still, like, plenty to write about when you have good writing. And mm-hmm. I think good writing makes fanfic even better because there's so much more nuance that you can play off of and so many more things you can bring in. Whereas, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've noticed it, like, in the Supergirl fandom, a lot of times there are a lot of aspects of their personalities that, like, we made up. And mm-hmm. there's some things about the characters that just isn't in the show. It's just kind of mm-hmm. in the fandom. And we all accept it in the fandom because, like, we made it up mm-hmm. because the writers didn't give it to us. But, like, when you have a good show and good writing, like, you don't need to, like, make the character a nuanced character. They already are. And it's, like, so much fun playing with all of their nuance to figure out what they would do in, like, novel situations. But I think good writing definitely doesn't kill fan fiction. Oh, I'm not... But it's just in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I can understand that. And it's just that I don't have a desire to write Korosami. Like, I was happy with the way they pulled out the story. There was growth. There was hurt. There was, you know, there was the growing pains of being something bigger than what you really perceived yourself as or realizing that what you are has these other connotations that you don't know about because it's something you think is better. You know, they pulled all those out and they didn't leave straggles behind that seemed un 
finished and unfocused or that didn't seem to mix with what was going on. Everything seemed perfectly choreographed, you know. And, yeah, it's a kid show. I don't expect this much. But it was so well-crafted that I was I was happy with the way the story went. Like, this story got told well. So, I mean, this is yeah, just like, and I was Well, I, like, wrote a fic, like, really after the series finale, like, immediately after mm-hmm. just exploring where the relationship would go and, like, what happened when they got out of the spirit world and, mm-hmm. like, rebuilding the city and, like, being gay as the Avatar, mm-hmm. which I feel like the book totally stole from me because I wrote that fic way before the comic came out. But I'm let it slide. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, and, like, I wrote that. It was because I thought it would just be really fun to explore. Like, like you said, the build-up was really good, and I loved it. And it would just be really fun to explore like, where they went afterwards. And then, of course, like I said, I'm an AU writer, so I wrote a ton of AUs about it. But I feel like there's, I don't know, I feel like good writing leads you, can lead you down a path of, like, mm-hmm. these really well-built characters. I want to see what they would do if this happened or this happened or this happened. And, like, you're not struggling to actually create the character because the show didn't. You can focus more on, like, creating the story with these great characters the show gave you. I, I, okay. I, I just think we have <laughs> two different views, and that's cool. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. I love good writing. Don't get me wrong. I just have no, I'm just not exp- inspired as much as by good writing as I am by bad writing. Yeah, no, I know people definitely are like motivated to go like write for like really like bad shows because it's like <laughs> the one place where you're like, oh, well, this definitely needs to change. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I know that's like a huge thing. Um, and I feel like it hurts a lot of pairings that like probably should have more writing for them. Uh-huh. Cause I think that's true in some aspects, but I don't feel like good writing should be something that kills like creativity. I don't think it does. I just think it's the person over it, honestly, cause you get more creative from it, but I don't, I'm like, I'm happy with the story. You. You see more than I see, and that's cool. I'm all D. All right, back to the questions. Oh, we saw on the first five. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. (laughs) No problem. Okay, number three. Which fandom character do you think would be the least useful if told to survive together naked for two weeks in the wild? Like any, like from Supergirl or like? Any fandom, like any character you look at and you're like, this guy's completely useless. I don't want him on a desert island with me. But that's the guy you'd have to pick. Or gal. <laughs> uh, I guess I could try to stick with Super Supergirl. Mm-hmm. You could do another fandom or whatever. Like, I chose Doug the dog from the movie Up. He seemed useless, but he'd be warm. So I'd be like, okay. Yeah, there's like, there's, like, immediately, like, you can choose, like, any of the Eds from Edda and Eddie, and, like, <laughs> 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 they all seem useless. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know about anyone in Supergirl, because I, I really think you can make an argument for a lot of them being pretty useful. You know, like, the Kim Possible, but I, but I just, I recently watched a lot of Kim Possible, and I feel like Ron just popped into my head, because I just feel like he's so useless all the time. I mean, Kim is the is the ability of the group, you know. He's just the I know, lovable I like dork. If I was stuck on an island with him, I would just die. Yep. 
Yeah, I'd go with him. <laughs> All right. Ron, stoppable it is. Yeah, and just honestly, his personality. Like, if I was stuck on the island with him and his personality, it would just be like, just get me out of here. Sounds good. All right. Rank the three contestants you would want on a mystery dating game. And Okay, let's try this again. On a mission <laughs> dating game, rank the three contestants you would want from top to bottom. That is still a terrible question. It's like, so like three good ones, but like. Yeah, so just basically the three people you would want to date, but rank them. Like, who would you actually want to date the most and then down from there? All right. There's so many. I know. So many hot women and maybe men. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's so many what do I do um, yeah. there's Halle Berry Storm she's pretty hot or um, I actually do have a crush on that woman she's hot too they're all pretty old actually now that I think about it Let's see. I like old women that's my thing mm-hmm. that's what that's what gets me <laughs> I was, yeah I was going to say like definitely 100% going back with the evil queen again Probably, like, Angelina Jolie's Maleficent ah. again, just because, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just because, yes. <laughs> oh, and, like, uh, who is that fucking uh, Calypso and Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, she God, she was so dude. cool. She was so hot. I remember watching that in like was that middle school? I was like, God, I'm gay. Um, <laughs> this is when you, know, I you just had those out. moments where you're, where you're like, Do I want to be her, be her friend, or like and you're like, No, she's just high. <laughs> it was like one of those moments surrounded by the band because I think we were playing Pirates of the Caribbean and like the Six Flags competition, uh-huh. so we all went to the movie, and I was just like, She's She's hot. I was like thinking about her for like three days. Anyway, <laughs> I think those three will be the top. That sounds good. Yeah. All right, and this is the last question. What mythical animal would you want as a familiar? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, you know that movie Avatar? Mm-hmm. Those like oh, six legged, like giant panthers. Yeah. I yes. want one of those. They like connect their tails to it and shit. That was awesome. Oh. I want one of those big giant cats I can ride on that has like eighteen legs. That was so badass. <laughs> I always <laughs> enjoyed the fact that you could interface with them. I'm like, I wish we could do that, like for real, as human beings. You know, like I don't, I don't know like, how I... the fuck you're saying. Let's interface. <laughs> I feel like my cats are so dumb. I just wouldn't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> just keep it to yourself. But yeah, no, that would be really cool. I feel like if we had like giant animals that we could like do that with, like imagine, I don't know, horseback riding or something. I mean, we have cool. Clydesdales. Those are pretty big. I meant like being able to like link with like the animals you ride. Yeah, that's true. That would be nice. And those flying, those, those giant bird things. Yes. Those are cool. I went to, uh, Disney World, literally the December, December 2019, right before COVID, mm-hmm. I rode that, uh, that giant, like, uh, avatar mm-hmm. thing and like the foresty park. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one that is. 
as well, the jungle stuff. Oh, yeah, know. their little home or something. I forgot what it's called. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> but I went to that one, that park. <laughs> what is, I don't know, it's going to bother me now. But, yeah, I rode a giant, like, Avatar ride, and so, like, you feel like you're, like, flying. That was pretty cool. So I wouldn't mind that. But, yeah, I like the giant, like, panther thing, though, because, I don't know. It was something about the legs. It had, like, seven legs, eight legs. I liked it. I was into it. What is the Avatar Forest called? <laughs> it just shows me um, the Zhangji Jaiji. Zing- well, I was into the Dis- yeah. it was like the Disney World parks. Which one is it? Is it? What are their names? Oh, okay. Hold on. Disneyland Par- Avatar Disneyland Park. Animal Kingdom. That was there. It was an Animal Kingdom. Oh, okay. That uh, must have just opened because I remember the last time I went, there was no Avatar yet. That was a while. Um, I don't think it was just open because I know my girlfriend had gone the year before mm-hmm. and she was like 100. She's like, we need to get on the Avatar ride. That's the whole reason we went there. So, I mean, I, I think not like super old, but like it's been there like a year or two, a couple of few years. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been to Disney World and Adventure. Pandora, that's. There you go. Hello, the music station. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. It had like the giant tree. It was, it was, Ooh. it was nice. I liked it. And I saw, I saw an anteater up close. That was the freakiest shit. Like, really? have you ever seen an anteater? No, I've never seen an anteater. Huge. So like, I don't know. It's like you, you know what they look like in theory. And then you just see one walking in front of you and it just, it, it blew my mind. And then I basically- literally saw an anteater and I left the park. Like, just left the park and drove back to Georgia. Like, your day was done. You were like, you have succeeded in your mission. <laughs> yeah, like, we got on the Avatar ride, and we were like, let's go look at some animals. I saw some flamingos. They're really cool. And then we saw the anteater, and I was just like, you know, I think I've seen enough. And she's uh-huh. like, yeah. And I was like, let's just go home. She's like, great. What should, is this one the one in Florida or the one in California? I've been to both. This is Florida, though. This is World. World has Animal Kingdom. Oh, I've never been to that one, then. It's on my list, kind of. I don't really care for the ride, so it would just be walking around a park that's really expensive. That's what I liked about, um, so we really, we park hops. We, uh, mm-hmm. I think we went to, like, two or three parks. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, our third day, so I was really at that point. I was like, I just want to go. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, Animal Kingdom had some really nice rides to get on. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of just like the sheer how much they put into the rides, like it was just a whole experience, mm-hmm. not necessarily like a roller coaster, but like an entire experience, which was really cool. Um, and their lines weren't as long as uh, Magic Kingdom because I think we went went to Magic Kingdom first, and it's always just trash going to Magic Kingdom. But you know, you got to go and see the castle and all of that. Yeah. It- yeah, I'm not going to finish that sentence because I have no idea what I want to say, but <laughs> no, it's on yeah, my yeah. list. <laughs> but yeah, I don't like the scary rides. So like I went with my cousins to Space Mountain, the California, uh, Disneyland mm-hmm. in California. And literally I thought I was going to die. Like you, at the very oh. end, you take your picture and I basically look like a scrunched up tomato because I was so afraid. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I don't want this picture. <laughs> Is that the one with the, like, uh, you're, like, in the space with all the black dots? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I've been on that, like, four times. Love it. Yeah, well, I know. So I like the slow rides, like the easy ones that basically are animatronics, and it basically looks like a tunnel of love kind of shit. I like those. Mm-hmm. 
We did the parasailing, yeah. paragliding one simulation. That was fun. And they sprayed water in your face. Yeah, we went to uh, Universal Studios, both in Florida and California, actually, mm-hmm. um, with my mom, my sister. I mean, my mom and my sister. And uh, they have all those cool ones, like the Harry Potter ride mm-hmm. and, like, the Transformers ride, where it's, mm-hmm. like, half ride, half, like, VR. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily roller coaster, but it's, like, throwing you around and you're, like, mm-hmm. bouncing around a city or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mom was super into those, and it was really cute because she hates, like, roller coasters, but she loves, like, those, like, just being put on a machine that, like, bounces you around as, like, the VR takes you, like, flying through the sky or something. Mm-hmm. She was really into it. And they had, like, the, I think the Indiana Jones one where you're, like, in a car, um, and you, like, fall off a cliff or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. So it was fun. I liked, I liked Universal Studios because they had rides like that, which she, like, super enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And those then, they're, like, not bad rides because it's, like, a whole experience. Mm-hmm. I actually can't do VR. I get seizures. Oh, well. so. oh no. <laughs> That's not funny. I don't know why I laugh. It's okay. I can't do 3D. Mm-hmm. So I get super, super, super sensitive for 3D. It makes me, like, vomit. Mm-hmm. But everything else is usually fine for me. It's okay. No haunted houses. Just means I'm never a good no, date to scare. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry I can't go in there with you, flashing stroke lights. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just get one of those extra dark ones where they just scare you and spray water on you and freak you out. Yeah, that that would give me a no. <laughs> I am not a person <laughs> who enjoys fear that way. I'm like, uh, if I have no choice to go through this, I will go through it. But no, if I have a choice, I will not subject myself to that kind of fear. I'm like, nope. I feel like it's, like, so nostalgic for me because it was, like, in high school. It's, like, if you, like, really like the girl, you just take her to, like, a hunt. That's because, like, 100% you're going to end up holding each other. And so, like, I just have all this, like, nostalgia about, like, because that was my go-to. Like, every day, I was, like, let's see a horror movie. Let's go to a haunted house. And, like, it just be ended up with, like, her cuddling me. (laughs) And so, like, every time I'm, like, I love horror movies and haunted houses. And I don't necessarily like being scared, but I just have these really positive memories just because of, like, all of my, like, dates. Uh So I think (laughs) just correlated it much. I mean, it's causation now, right? You're like, oh, scary movie. I know. Hot girl. <laughs> what else? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, uh, like, I've been watching horror movies recently, and they uh-huh. really honestly freaked me out. Like, I was just, like, watching, because I, I was always the person, everyone was like, oh, you're super into horror movies. Like, they don't bother you, and I'm like, not at all. But I think I was mostly just, like, into, like, being held. Because, like, now when I, like, watch them alone, I'm, like, freaked the fuck out. And I'm like, so I did not enjoy this movie. <laughs> That could be it, right? I don't know. <laughs> it's better with a girl. But um, we actually had a very interesting conversation about sleep, and I'd love to try to get an abridged <laughs> version. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Well, I think just some tips, because like a lot of the people that I've spoken to on this podcast, they all have terrible sleep, um, <laughs> myself included. Even though I did just get my night wet about my sleep, that's basically what it is. And it's been much more helpful. Like, if it shuts off suddenly, I'll wake up. But if it stays on throughout the night, I'm okay. So I'm like, oh, reckon with the fact that I need a light night light. Yeah. I think just the general gist of, like, maybe how to maybe create some sort of sleep ritual, what to kind of avoid or attempt to avoid, 
Yeah, I think it's honestly about priorities. A lot of people in fandom are younger. Um, and since I'm someone who sees a lot of older clients, when I say younger, I mean like below the age of like 45. And when you start to get around that like 35 to 45 range, you do see people appreciate sleep a lot more. But when you start to get below that like 35 number, sleep is one of those things that we're just willing to sacrifice. Like if we can stay up playing a video game, it's like fuck sleep. If like we can stay up hanging out with this person we're like, we like, it's like fuck sleep. And so like sleep is just one of those things that like we are willing to hurt in order to do the things that we enjoy. and if you want your sleep to really be on track it's like cutting out a lot of the fun stuff (laughs) so cutting out like your your screen time around bedtime so like at least an hour before bedtime you shouldn't be looking at any screens whatsoever phones tablets tvs laptops desktops you just all screens should be off which is your body a little bit of time to relax think about melatonin production um, really settle into the fact that it's nighttime because your mind or your brain uses light as a cue. So turning off uh, all that kind of screen light gives your brain time to adjust to the fact that it's nighttime and get you into that sort of sleepy mindset. Um, and then huge with caffeine, pretty much cutting that out before noon. There's a lot of different things like keeping a really kind of strict bed and wake time. So going to bed at the same time every night, or if you're going to fluctuate it, not fluctuating it more than an hour. So if you normally go to bed at 10, um, not going to bed anywhere between nine or before nine or after 11, um, because that would be a lot of fluctuation. And then waking up at the same time in the morning as well, which a lot of people don't want to do because some people work the same time job every single day. So like Monday through Friday, you have to be at work at eight. So you get up at the same time. Um, but then people will drastically change their schedule on weekends or drastically change their schedule on their off days, which really disrupts your sleep. So it's literally no matter if it's a weekend or an off day or whatever, or like no matter if one of your days starts at three and your other day starts at like 9am, like 100%, you need to wake up at like 7am every morning or whatever your wake time is. All of those things doing that, they, as soon as you get any sort of consistency with doing that 100%, you will sleep like a rock and feel rested when you wake up. There's just things we don't want to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so there's a lot of sleep, a lot with sleep health. If you did it consistently, your sleep would be amazing. And when you woke up more often, like you won't 100% all the time feel refreshed, but more often than not, you would feel refreshed. It's just stuff we don't want to do. And so that's what I always say with sleep. You know, if it's at that point where your sleep is so bad that you feel it impacting your health or impacting your job or you're falling asleep at the wheel or like it's just become so concerning for you that you feel like you need to talk to a doctor about it, then you're probably at that moment where you're ready to make those changes. If you're just someone that's like, my sleep is a little bit off, but it's like funny to you, sleep work, like it's a lot of changes to make. And so you have to be pretty committed to it and be pretty consistent with it. But the moment you're consistent, and I mean the moment, like you can spend a week doing that, but if you're super consistent for a week, you will start to notice the changes in your sleep. It doesn't take that long to get back on track. You just have to be super consistent with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's hard sometimes. Yeah, and I mean, that's what I love about sleep treatment. Like if Mm -hmm. you do it, it works. It's if you practice really great sleep health, Mm -hmm. you'll have good. And if you don't, there are very few instances where that doesn't work. Sometimes something else is going on. Um, sometimes sleep apnea or things like that may be an issue. Sometimes um, if you have certain uh, 
mental health disorders like PTSD or bipolar, mm-hmm. some sleep strategies can actually be counterproductive. It's like with PTSD, there are a lot of nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be a little bit harder with like uh wake after sleep onset or what we call way so because you wake up in the middle of the night and it's really hard to get back to sleep because your heart is sort of pounding. Yeah. You're very anxious. So I'm like, you're awake now. Um, so we have to teach a little bit different strategies, a lot of kind of anxiety stuff, um, relaxation stuff, um, and then a lot of other things like trauma focused work that we do with nightmares related to PTSD. Mm-hmm. But the sleep health stuff is pretty much the same. Um, and then when we think about people who have bipolar disorder, uh, specifically with manic episodes, um, sleep deprivation triggers a manic episode. So sometimes you end up doing sleep deprivation during a sleep treatment because you set a bed in wake time. And so if you weren't sleepy at that bedtime and didn't go to bed until a little bit later, you 100% still have to get up at that wake time. That's how we train you to that schedule. Oh, and gosh. so what happens is like that first couple of nights, since it's a little bit hard for you to fall asleep at first, mm-hmm. you'll go without a lot of sleep because you can't fall asleep. But what eventually happens is sleep deprivation. And then you'll get to a point where when that time does come, you're just going to be knocked out. You're going to sleep through it. And then that next night, you're going to fall asleep it's very easily as well so once you get on it it's pretty easy but usually there are a couple days where you're not super adherent to it at first because you're first adjusting to it which causes sleep deprivation but if you cause sleep deprivation in someone with a bipolar disorder who has manic episodes it can trigger a manic episode so sometimes we do something a little bit different with them but for the most part in most cases the treatment just works if you're practicing good sleep health. Uh, it gets your sleep back on track. It's just a lot of stuff we don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, and especially younger individuals, like I said, below that, like, 35 age range, we're in the mindset that, like, we could sacrifice sleep right now and catch up later. Which, you know, I always say if your sleep for you is not the end of the world, you don't have to make it the end of the world. Like sometimes it's extremely bad and you can feel it. And like, my sleep is not great. My sleeping schedule is like absolutely terrible, but I know 100% if I wanted to get it back on track, I would be able to. And when I want to fall asleep, I'm able to fall asleep. I just don't want to fall asleep at the times most people want to fall asleep because I want to be up doing things. Um, But like, Honestly, like tonight, if I wanted to go to bed at like midnight instead of going to bed at like 5 a.m., I could. Like, it's not super hard for me. So, like, if you're asleep, if it's fine, it's not causing you any trouble, or you're not feeling sick, um, you know, you're not falling asleep in meetings. If it's fine for you, that's okay. If it becomes an issue, just know there are things that can easily get it back on track. It's just about you sometimes making some sacrifices. Oh yeah. I like for myself, I know that if I, like, if I want to take a nap, like, are naps okay? I like, no, you no. absolutely should nap. <laughs> no, naps are terrible for your sleep. Um, it, it goes back to like your sleep day. So if you nap in the middle of the day, you're less likely to be tired at night. And like, like, like I said, for some people, that's fine. I can take like 18 naps a day and still go to bed at night. Mm-hmm. I think I have like the opposite of insomnia. I probably have like hypersomnia. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like, honestly, but like some people, but most people, if you nap in the middle of the day, you're going to notice that you're not tired at mm-hmm. night. So those would be those days where you're up to like 3 a.m. like watching YouTube. You're like, why am I not asleep? And that's because naps just deplete your sleep debt in the middle of the day. And so you're not tired when you get to the actual time. It's time for you to go to bed. But that's so weird. Like, because if I don't nap, 
like I could like I could have a normal temperature throughout the entire day, but then if my body feels literally exhausted and I don't take a nap, I will suddenly have a temperature and almost be sick. So it's like the reaction for it is my body becomes. That's the other thing hot. with naps is that naps make you need more naps. Yeah. So like if you get into the habit of taking uh-huh. a nap at the same time every day, yeah. your body feels like it needs that nap at the same time every day. And there'll be a lot of things going on that'll be like, if I don't take a nap, I'm going to die. It, like, re- it literally feels that way. Just because your body wants to, because you've made that a routine. Well, the but- opposite of that is that if you take the nap away, mm-hmm. it'll feel really bad for that one day you take it away. Mm-hmm. But if you get your back to sleeping kind of at night and not taking a nap, your body will also adjust to that. The human body is really good at just like adjusting to things. Well, the thing is, is it's not like I nap all the time. It's just I know that when I'm more exhausted than usual, I will have a temperature if I get to a point of exhaustion that I'm still keeping myself up in. How about, like, instead of taking a nap, you just kind of, like, sit and do nothing and have quiet time? Oh, no, that's perfectly fine. 100% for relaxation. I would say do it outside of the bedroom. So if you're going to chill, like, chill on the couch. Like, nothing wrong with that. So um, just stay out of the bed where you should be sleeping, basically, because then you might yeah. have, it'll be easier not to fall asleep. Yeah, okay. like you can totally relax during the day. We just say don't nap because that makes it harder for you to fall asleep. But I, I like totally understand that, you know, sometimes you're super exhausted and when you're super exhausted, you need to fall asleep. Or like I've been in that moment where like I just, I will blink and I wake up four hours later. Um <laughs> Like, it's not a decision. But, yeah, I mean, if that happens ever so often, that's just being human. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're pretty mm-hmm. consistently napping and your sleep is terrible at night, mm-hmm. you should stop napping. That's pretty much the gist of that. But, I mean, like, as humans, sometimes we get to that point where we overwork and a nap is just unavoidable. It's happening whether we want it to or not. Yeah, it takes a while. Like, if I hold an all-nighter, I am so cotton head. It's like ridiculous. I can I can barely finish sentences sometimes. I'm just like, I, yes. I should nap, but then I'm so exhausted <laughs> that I can't sleep. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like I just become a jittery mess. That if I try to relax, my entire body just won't stop shaking. As I was comparing sleeping, like sleep health to like dental health. Whereas, A, you don't only brush your teeth when you have a problem. Like, you brush your teeth every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say you shouldn't just practice uh, healthy sleeping habits when you have a sleeping problem. You should do it every day. But, B, if you're practicing pretty healthy dental habits and, like, you have a couple days that are super stressful and for those couple days you maybe don't brush your teeth at night or you go an entire day without brushing your teeth at all, your teeth aren't suddenly going to fall out. Mm-hmm. Like, you're fine. And so if you go a couple of days where like work is super stressful or you have to pull an all-nighter, et cetera, like it, or you have to get off your sleep um, habits, if you get back on them a few days later, like your world isn't going to end. Your sleep is just going to readjust, just like your teeth. Your teeth might get a lot of buildup on it, but if you start brushing them again, they're just going to be back to normal. You know, but if you go, you know, like two months without brushing your teeth, that's when you have a problem. So if you go like two mm-hmm. months not practicing healthy sleep habits, that's when you have a larger issue. But if you're doing it pretty consistent, consistently, um, you know, as long as you just do it the next day, if you have a couple of days where like you're not doing your sleep habits properly or you take a mm-hmm. nap or something like that, if you get back on it, you're totally going to be fine. That's okay. We always go into things like an all or nothing attitude um, 
So like when you learn a new strategy and you like get knocked off for a little bit, you're like, oh, I'm not going to go back to it. I've already messed it up. That's a lot to unpack and think about, honestly, as far <laughs> as like having a schedule goes and trying to maintain or have a, a healthy sleep schedule, healthy sleep habit as well. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. You're under 35. That's like... <laughs> that's the mentality <laughs> that's what it's, it's a little bit harder when you're just like I mean a you probably don't have like a huge sleep issue like when I say big problem um the clients I deal with they will be like for the past 20 years it's taken me 180 minutes to fall asleep each time I try and I spend two hours awake at night like I'll fall asleep after 180 minutes and then I'll wake up in the middle of the night and spend another two hours awake because I can't get back to sleep. And they're pretty much doing that every single day for the past 20 years. Like those are the people I deal with. If your sleep just feels like a little bit weird or a little bit awkward, but otherwise it's not super alarming to you, that's also fine. I always say like, you don't have to, like, you can always talk to your doctor about strategies. Um, if you feel like you more or less have a handle on it, that's okay. If you want to learn strategies just for the help of it, that's okay. But if it gets to that point where it feels alarming for you or you can feel sort of your health sleep slipping in relation to how much you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely just get it checked out or ask about it. They're like the treatment at its longest six, like eight weeks. Um, and then I do a lot of four week treatments. Um, it doesn't take super long. You just need to know the strategies and be consistent with them. So once you've helped people, do they come tend to come back or is it like they're gone and they're done? We're pretty much done. We do boosters. Uh, so I do, four booster calls with my clients. They're about 15 minutes um, where I think like two months after treatment, I just do a call, um, say, how are things going? Uh, Has anything kind of disrupted your sleep? Did you want to troubleshoot something? Did you like come up against a barrier that we didn't even see coming in treatment that you'd like to talk about now? And if they do, um, I'll sit down and talk about it. And then I'll tell them, um, I'll do a couple more check-ins with you. Um, but between those check-ins, if you had something come up, you can also shoot me an email as well. And we can do like an impromptu check-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a few of those. They're, I don't charge for that. I just call to check-in and see how things are going. But I always tell them 100% if something comes up, shoot me an email. If it's something huge, I'll schedule a session, which you are charged for. But if it's something that we can do a 15-minute phone call for, I won't charge for that. I just do a call and we can figure something out. Well, that's nice. I mean, 15 minutes is still a moment of your time added up. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's kind of part of our continuity of care. And I get different therapists have different mm-hmm. where they do for it. But in general, I will say if you like sometimes uh, daylight saving time will happen and it'll knock off someone's sleep schedule. So now they can't get to bed at the bedtime they used to have, mm-hmm. um, which can be a 15 minute conversation. Because we can talk about like titrating, so slowly getting to that bedtime uh, from something you were used to in 15 minutes. Um, but sometimes something like traumatic will come up or something huge or like they'll lose a job or like a financial mm-hmm. situation will happen. That's a longer conversation. So that would like be a session. Um, and for that, I would charge for my time because that's a lot of time to build into my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's something that like... uh like I can do like a after work phone call or end of the day phone call that lasts like 10 to 15 minutes. I always say like, shoot me an email. I can set something up. That's nice. It's really good that you're doing that and that there are healthcare providers out there that have that mindset because it's not always easy, right? 
Yeah, um, and I think we try. I think most of us are trained to sort of keep that continuity of care there. And I definitely, like I've had, I had a client like three years ago and I recently had her, she was a college student, like a freshman. And she, like, we literally ended treatment three years ago. And then she emailed me like a month ago and she was like, oh my God, I'm applying to grad school. And I would love to just like check in. And I was like, would you like a full-length session? And she was like, yeah. And so we just set something up, like, immediately because, like, she didn't have to go through, like, the reapplying or, like, the wait list or any of that. She'd, like, already been my client. So I just immediately set something up for, like, five days later. And we had a session and talked about her applying to grad school. And it just turned out she was a little bit anxious. And so we re- went over some of the strategies we learned for anxiety. We talked through what her nerves were about. Um, and she was able to get to a point where she felt okay again. And like, that's all she needed. But yeah, like if you're already a client and you, or something comes up and you want to call, I think we're usually pretty good about just getting you in because we know you as a client and rather than you having to go through the whole process again. I mean, that's good. That's always, it, it's good to be able to have some sort of resource to get the help you need. And like you were saying, there's a laissez-faire attitude almost with people of a certain age and their sleep but it sounds like it's actually fairly important and regulates a whole shit ton of things so you know there the whole brain fog just feels <laughs> natural but it's just like well you know well, i'm going to sleep in a reasonable hour you probably wouldn't have it click click <laughs> so, yeah yeah it definitely i always say sleep you know it's not going to kill you like unless you don't sleep for like 13 days in a row or something uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. I forget, I forget what the record is, but unless you just don't sleep for like ever, it's not going to be the thing that kills you. But it is the thing that can lead you to a lot of unhealthy choices that can lead you to a lot of just yeah. feeling unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, sleep impacts your immune system. It impacts antibody production. Um, so if you're not sleeping well, here's the thing. Not sleeping well doesn't make you sick, but it makes you easier for you to get sick, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because it impacts your immune function. So if you happen to be around someone else sick, you'll get sick. But not sleeping in general won't be the thing that makes you sick without a catalyst. Um, Not sleeping well is also uh, highly correlated with, like, weight gain. But, like, not sleeping doesn't necessarily make you gain weight. Because if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, gaining weight just means you're like consuming more calories than you are burning. Uh-huh. But not sleeping does tend to make you, uh, A, make less great eating choices. Uh-huh. So if you're really tired, and you might have noticed this before, if you're like super tired or exhausted, like you're probably craving like a taco and not a bunch of broccoli. Uh-huh. And that generally, yeah. like when you're tired, you just crave carbs you crave sugar um it just makes you crave a lot of things that aren't that healthy Mm -hmm. um and then if you're up in the middle of the night and you're not sleeping you're more likely to like snack around bedtime um so you're eating more and then you're craving a lot of unhealthy things so if you are sleeping you do tend to crave unhealthy things a little bit less um so if you are feeling really refreshed then you might want kind of the broccoli instead of like things high in like carbs or sugar or whatever so like again not sleeping isn't exactly what makes you gain weight but it impacts things that do make you gain weight so i would say like it's not the end of the world if you're not sleeping that well but (laughs) It will, like, not sleeping alone isn't what's happening, but it is influencing a lot of things around you, and it will impact your health at some point if you're just chronically not sleeping well. Yeah, 
I have to agree with you there. When I had to end up taking care of my father, my sleep was atrocious. So, oh, God, it was just hell on earth. <laughs> and I was <laughs> constantly eating just to stay awake. And it was just like, yep. I am not feeling better after this food. And it was food that I was so empty that it made no sense why I was craving it. Like, I was like, this isn't keeping me up. It's just making me feel groggier. It was weird. But, yeah, sleep, it's important. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, and it's so, it's, I don't know, it's like, it's such a fun career being mm-hmm. in sleep because like a very few people specialize in it and know how to treat it. So you're like, treat it like everyone's like, oh, you're a sleep person. Oh shit. <laughs> um, it kind of in like the psych world. Um, but then like B, like everyone sleeps. Mm-hmm. And so like you just have a career where like, you don't have to like be like, oh, you wouldn't get it if I talked about it or like, oh, it's really nerdy. I don't want to explain it. You're just like, oh, no, I, I like do sleep. And everyone's like, oh, and it's like immediately interesting. And you can talk to everyone about it. I have to agree with that. All right. And we're done. Thank you again for listening. Also, Down the Fandom Hole will be moving to Fandom Fridays. If you've enjoyed this content or would like to get previews and posts about my works in progress, Follow me on Tumblr and Twitter. If you want to find out who will be on next week on Fandom Friday, check out my website, iacuspencer.com. Until next time, mahalo for listening.